This is the sound of small businesses owning it with Sage Accounting. Renovation owned. Invoices sorted. Clients workout owned. Expenses smashed. Tax return done. Take control of your business with cloud accounting from Sage. Own it. Try for free at sage.com. Welcome to the Honest Money Small Business Focus, sponsored by Sage. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Welcome to Honest Money. Today is a really special episode for me because we're, we're talking to one of my favorite groups of South Africans, and those are entrepreneurs who start businesses in South Africa with no connections, no tenders, no family history, no political background, just an entrepreneur wanting to start a business to serve his community uh, and, and, and build a business. So I'm thrilled to, to introduce you to Brian Malachi. He runs a business called Denoka Automation Service and Repair. Brian, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. So, so Brian, uh, you know, one of the things we hear a lot from 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 uh, our fellow South Africans is that it's really hard to start a business. You know, you can't get money from the banks, and and you know, no one will no one su- will support you when you start. And yet, you've got a, a a brilliant story to tell us about about starting a business when uh, life happens and things go wrong, and you end up with you know two hundred bucks in your bank account and. And you know you you get going. I mean, I'd love it if you could share your your story with us. Uh, you know, Warren, when you're speaking of that question, when you say, "Do you really need money to start a business?" I can relate to that because uh, when I started this company, the only thing that I had was just an idea. Number one, and number two is that I wanted. I didn't want to be a victim of uh, poverty, number two. And I didn't also want to fall in that uh, statistics of saying there's this so much amount of youth which is unemployed and stuff. And before I was working at the manufacturing company, it's called Centurion Systems. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to share the yeah. name. Yeah, and absolutely. Yeah. When I started there, I think I was... 20 years because it was immediately after I, I graduated with my N6 electrical engineering. Then I got that opportunity to go in and work. So it was not a full time contract whereby I knew I'm stable with uh, the employment that I have, but I was standing in for someone else because I think during the time I was hired, there was some sort of a a strike within the employees versus the company and they were, uh, how can I call it? They were suspended sort of. So I just came in while there were still some disputes in the company. So it was not something which was now a done deal to say, no, this guy, we're going to take him permanent and stuff. But then now um, I worked hard because number one, I didn't have a clue on this industry, how it operated, how it worked. So I had to learn everything from scratch. So when I started, I was employed as a mechanical. So 
all the, the repairs that had to do with Centurion products, like your, your, your D5, your D3, your swing motors. I had to learn all those things, how to repair them. And then the only opportunity that I was waiting for was an internal post, because I always knew that if you are working within the company and there's a post that arises, first preferences will be people who are working in the company already. So I took opportunity of that. And I think about three weeks later, if not a month, I was now hired as a permanent, but now I was focusing on the customer relations part. So I was more like a customer service technician. So a client would come in with their machine and then I will check it on, on the text, uh, check what all the problems that it, before I can chemical repair, where it can be booked in and stuff. So it was more like when I came in, I, I introduced some sort of a, a, some diagnosis sort of, before we can send in the motor, before we can book it in, I was the one inspecting that machine. And I worked there uh, for another year. Then there was another internal post. I applied again. And then now I was like your electronics technician. Now I was more hands-on on the electronics part, on the PC board and everything. So the, the story that I'm trying to bring here is I knew the kind of product I wanted to introduce to this business that I wanted to start. Because the first thing before you can have an idea, you need to have a thorough understanding of whatever product, of whatever service that you want to send to people. Fast forward, uh, 2014, I decided to resign. I don't know, my intention was never to say, now I'm resigning, I want to start my own business. I just wanted to resign so that I can start something. But the idea did not come in the way which I had planned it on my mind. So January, it was unfortunate. I was involved in an accident. And December, I resigned. Now everything was just a complication in my head. I didn't know where to start. Must I go now and apply with CVs? They won't respond now. And I recently uh, purchased a vehicle. Now it needs to be paid. So all those things, all that stress, all that pressure, it just came in all at once. Insurance did not pay out because obviously, you know, when you are involved in an accident, you accept to be, I mean, you expect to be rescued by uh, insurances. They will do the payouts and then everything will fall into place. But in my case, it was the other way around. I had to use all the money that I received from my previous company to fix the car, number one, because already I knew that if I want to do installations, I'm going to need a vehicle because you can't do installation while you are using uh, public transport. It's more challenging as opposed to having your own vehicle. So the car was fixed, but then now I had one problem of I did not have any marketing skills. So the only job which I knew they always hire was the uh, sales companies. But my intention was only to acquire the skill. I worked there, I think it was for a month. I learned the techniques, how to approach a client, how to talk to a client, how to schedule site visit, how to do presentations. So now in my mind, that time I was like, if I'm able to sell, because I think the first month, I sold about six machines and the cost of that machine was uh, $14,950. You can say 15000 So already it shows you that 
you need to be specific in terms of market segment. You cannot just go to, uh, where can I say, maybe, and not, you cannot just go maybe to a township or you cannot go to an area where you know that these people, they are not financially stable and go and propose a product that's going to cost them about 15000 Already, you have lost the market then. Then now, but now it was the issue of if I'm able to sell six of these products within one month and I don't even know this product, meaning should I do something which I understand properly, I can excel. That's when now the idea of uh, installing the gate motors uh, it began to run in my mind. I know it had, it was now a complete system in my mind because I knew now how to do the sales part of the business because sales and marketing, it's more like your backbone of each and every business. You need sales and marketing skills. And with the 200 that I was left with, I bought a time, number one. And then I checked on my phone as to the people that I used to assist, because remember I, I was doing more uh, customer service work. So most of the time clients, I was the first line in the company. They would talk to me first. If they were satisfied in terms of I've assisted them the way they want, I would always keep their records. They would always take my numbers in exchange. And whenever they are on site, they will always phone me, I would assist them. So I'd already created a relationship with customers. So they were the first preference in terms of people that I went to and say, guys, I'm now on my own. I've uh, registered this security installation company. This is what we do. And if there's any product that you want me to assist you with, please give me a phone call or you can arrange a site visit. I'll come and do uh, assessment on your site. I'll advise you where I can and we'll take it from there. Once the client approved the site visit arrangement, I would now go there, check whatever that I would, I would need for an installation to be successful. Then I would also tell the client because by then I did not have any money. So I'll tell the client, what I'm gonna need from you, at least give me 50 to 70% deposit. And I always explain why I need that deposit because another factor which makes uh, customers to get not to get comfortable in terms of giving you the deposit is the fact that you don't explain why he should give you the deposit. So all the time you will fall a victim of the clients will say, you buy the material, do this, you install, once you are finished, I'll pay you your money. But now you don't have that running capital to accept those kind of deals. So I would explain to them and say, if you give me the 50 or 70% deposit, I'm going to purchase the material for you. Uh, so you don't have to go doing the online shopping or so going physically to the stores and do, I do all that work for you. I come with the material. And another advantage is if I am the one who purchased the material, I'm, I'm forced to give you the product warranty because it is me who came in with this product. They will always agree. And then I'll take the 70% deposit, buy the material, it's going to be enough to buy electrical cables, electrical conduits. And then I just see to it that I, I, I install it to my level best so that I use that client, uh, number one, as a reference, 
Number two, at the end of the installation, I will always ask the client for referrals. So if a client is happy, they don't have any problem to share their network uh, with you or to share your company with their network. So it's more of doing more than what you are paid for, but in return, it's going to pay off in the long run. So once I've, I've done that, I will do the trainings and I will tell them, should there be any problem with your machine? Just call me and then I'll come and do the assistance. And then I would also check what will I need? So the amount of money that I get, I won't spend all of it and say, no, this is my uh, profit. I need to eat all of it. I always think for the next client, should I get a challenge in terms of receiving the deposit, knowing that I will have enough to do marketing, I'll have enough to put petrol and go and do the next side visit. So I would split my money in three phases. I had 10% which was the payment I was getting. For example, if I'm, I'm earning, or oh, that the cost of that installation was 7,000 and I did a commission or a profit for 2,000 rand, uh, for example, 10% of that 2,000 rand would be my payment. So I would pay myself 200. And then the 20%, I save it for the business. Should maybe I need a screwdriver tomorrow or I need a measuring tape or anything that I can need. I will save it towards the 20%. And the rest of the 70%, it is the one which is buying the motor, is the one which is uh, buying the petrol, is the one which needs to make sure that I have air times to arrange the next meetings. And I've been doing that for, I think it's now six years and the business is still running. So to answer your question, uh, you don't really need money to to start a business but you need money to scale up the business what what a story brian i mean if if i if i think through you've you've passed so many golden lessons already for for entrepreneurs in 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 the time that you've been talking now and i, and I just think um, you know if i think about it you kind of gave yourself a almost like an mba of education you know <laughs> on your own uh I mean, you managed to to learn the technical side, the, the 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 client service side. Then you went off and got a job to teach yourself the sales side, and yes. all of that for a purpose to to kind of get uh, you know get your own business going without sitting back and saying everyone must teach me, everyone must give me. You just said, "I'm going to do this. I'm going to make it happen." The the key to to success, if I can share it on my journey, it's personal development. So whatever that you get from you get from your, your clients, your clients will always have something to teach you. Wherever there's a complaint, that means there's a suggestion for improvement. Wherever there's a problem, that means there's an opportunity for another business. So you should not take objections in a way of saying, maybe they don't like my services, or maybe it's because I'm black, or maybe it's because they're not supporting black businesses, or maybe it's because I'm based in a township. None of that exists in business. But what you need to do is continuously, you need to develop yourself. When someone, because I take a customer as a mirror reflection of your company. If they say today, why did you come late? We are not happy. You came late to our site. You arranged me at nine, but now you are here at 11. It shows you now the reflection of your company to say, you need to go in and work on your time management. That's how I've been working on my, my business model. So whatever object, that I get from a client, I take it as a lesson. I improve myself, and then the business is gonna. Every year, you're gonna see much improved results. 
It's incredible, Brian. And and so I mean, you started in in 2014, if I'm correct, um, and 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 we're now seven years later. I mean, do, do you employ staff or do you use contractors? How does that work? At the moment, I have ten. We are we are ten in the company. When I started, we were wow. only two. I think it was me and my wife. And at some point, you'd be lazy, and I would want to punch in extra hours. And the, in terms of the risk assessment side, there's other work that even if I would like her to do that, she won't be competent and technical to do that. That's when I added the third guy and we've ran the others. It was on and on a as and when. But now since we are semi-stabled, we are 10 in total. That's incredible, Brian. And yeah. and. Uh, I mean, over time, is it um, your, your your market that you were servicing? I mean, you know, when I was doing, doing some reading about your your business, it wasn't like you just said, "I'm gonna," uh, you know, I'm, "I'm based in the township, but I'm immediately gonna go and drive to all the kind of expensive areas outside of the township." I mean, you you were looking for for clients in the township as well. Yes. The so so that means yes, I'm listening. So, so, so that means also. It's, I mean, I think there's a strong understanding of of a potential market opportunity that just wasn't being serviced. True. The that's thing, a, the thing with amazing, uh, with the township market, is just that uh, most companies they are not aware. Uh, the economy. I can say the the entire economy of uh, most, if I can say maybe fifty percent of the economy in South Africa, is driven by people who are based in the township, uh, meaning in a nutshell, it's black people. But then now, those people, they also want nice things. They also want fancy things. And as the rise in employment, there's now an increase in crime. It opens another market for me. Because now, if I was to say, uh, as an example, what is the first area you want to install an electric fence? Chances are you'd want it the suburb, you'd want it the company, you'd want it, but you'll never think for it's school. Meaning now it has left an entire market of all the townships in South Africa to use my products. And and that's a, I mean that's such a powerful lesson for all entrepreneurs. I mean I think you know we, we don't want to give big business the too, too many tips here to tell them to go and start going into the townships. <laughs> we want to tell the township entrepreneurs to say look at your neighbours and look at the area around you because that's that's a market you can service that that is not being looked after properly. And to be honest, um, what I've I've learned as a lesson is that wherever there is a problem, it, it's an opportunity for business. So now we need to change our mindset in terms of how we see things. But whatever that I see, I need to find a solution towards it, create a model that is going to give me some sort of a revenue out of that. Because for me, it was an issue of if we have, say, 500 houses in the township and all these houses, they have gates. Already I have a potential market for 500 gates, which needs to be automated. Yeah, that's power, Brian. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm worried that we're running out of time, and I have one important question that I really want to ask you, and and that's, um, you know, if you were, if you were um, able to speak to the 20 year old version of yourself today, knowing all the things that you've learned so far, what's the one lesson you would like to teach your, your, yourself, uh, the younger version of yourself, about business? Um, I would say financial literacy number one. 
you need okay. you need you need financial literacy because for you to understand how the ecosystem of business functions you need to understand how money operates how to generate money how to invest money how to reinvest money into the business i think that that, that would be number 1 and number 2 it's personal development continuously you need to read you need to develop yourself whatever that you don't understand try to improve yourself on that and the third one i would say teamwork all the time be a team player within your organization within your customers within your everywhere just be a team player and always never get to a point where you say i know because once you reach that point where you say i know uh, that's that's your downfall because that that's where now arrogance is going to kick in that's where now pride is going to kick in you won't be listening to your customers anymore because now you have that attitude of saying i know i can do this i don't need anyone to coach me i don't need anyone to tell me so if you can focus only on those key points and all the time be positive whatever that you see be it negative just try to be positive all the time then you'll be fine Unbelievable, Brian. I, I'm so thrilled to to have spoken to you today, and I really appreciate your your time. And I think you, I hope you inspire thousands of people to start their businesses and 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 get going, and you know, without excuses, rather, as you say, find reasons to do things. And and so I want to thank you for your time, Brian Malachi, uh, and and your business, Denoko Automation Services. I hope I hope we see you listed on the JSE one day. Uh, and you continue to inspire thousands of, of new entrepreneurs. Thanks so much and, and a brilliant story. Yes. And I really appreciate uh, sharing your time with us. Thank you, Warren. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon. This is the sound of small businesses owning it with Sage Accounting. Renovation owned. Invoices sorted. Clients workout owned. Expenses smashed. Tax return done. Take control of your business with cloud accounting from Sage. Own it. Try for free at sage.com.